welcome back to Let's Talk Pixels. I'm Zia Andrews and I'm going to kickstart your year right because we are joined by the lovely Lisa Stocker. You have seen Lisa in Fortitude and Doctor Who, but you can hear her as the Norwegian voice of Elsa in the Frozen films. Lisa, how are you? Hey, good morning, Zia. I'm very well. How are you? Good, just surviving like everyone. <sighs> exactly. One foot in front of the other. Definitely. Wonderful. So how about we get started by you telling us how you got started in your career? Oh, gosh, that's a big, big open question. <laughs> um, I, well, uh, I graduated from the um, Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts in 1998. Um, and, you know, as every student, I started to work as an act as a waitress in the West End <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, a rite of passage. And, uh, and I, I was lucky enough to get an agent right after getting out of drama school. Um, and so I started on the audition circuit as a young graduate. And after about three months of auditions, I auditioned for the musical of Mamma Mia. Uh, which was opening, going to open in the West End in 1999. So this was in the autumn of 98 and, um, and auditioning for the role of Sophie. And I had eight rounds of auditions uh, to, to, um, to be part of that musical. And, and I managed to get the lead role of Sophie in the original cast of Mamma Mia. Oh. So that was really how I started my career. Wow, that's amazing. Would you like to do like more musicals, like once everything's like back to normal? And oh gosh, I mean, yes, of course. Musicals is is I think just one of the most incredible art forms because you're incorporating so many other art forms into one. Um, it's it's so all encompassing, and also musicals is such a broad term. It's almost like you've put, you know, it's like saying music. You know, music means so many different things. Uh, there are so many styles and musical theatre is the same. There are so many styles of musicals and there are so many exciting um, composers and lyricists coming up, um, you know, show writers. Um, and there's a lot going on. Um, and there's a shift in musical theatre as it should be. You know, we've had this, you know, we had Mamma Mia, you know, you had a lot, it's tw 20. We're coming up to 22 years ago. Wow. So, you know, a lot has happened and there are so many wonderful new shows on the scene. So, yeah, I, I love musical theatre. I just think it's it's wonderful to be in and it's one of my favourite things to spend my money on to go and watch. Like, it's quite funny. I was supposed to see the Book of Mormon like last April, but then all of a sudden COVID happened. So I would <laughs> love to see more musicals definitely once everything's like gone back to normal. Um, what would you say would be your like your dream musical role? Oh, well, actually, one of my dream musical roles would be to play Donna one day, because obviously I've played Sophie when I was only 23, going on 24. And actually, I was 20, was I 24? <laughs> it's so long ago. I think I was 24 going on 25. But anyway, I was quite young. And, uh, and I was certainly young in my sort of experience. You know, I had no experience when I started musical theatre. It was my first role. So I was totally green. Um, and had to learn everything at the same time as you know all of that going on so uh, I would love to play Donna one day because watching Siobhan McCarthy you know for a whole year and and the understudies too doing that incredible role and I think it's a very unique role in musical theatre I don't think there are many roles for women written quite like her mm. um and uh, yeah, I think it's a very rich part and I would love to, to play her. I'm certainly old enough now, being 45. I'm older than all the people who played my my mom, my aunties and my dads oh. in that show when we did it. So it's it's really so strange. But yeah, that's the role I would love to do. And there are, there are so many roles mm -hmm. in musical theatre, but there aren't that many I would say rich roles for women. You know, there are a lot of bit parts, um, and that's not really something that I that I find as interesting because you're devoting six nights a week of your life to do it, eight shows a week. Right. So, if it was to be, I would love to have something I could really sink my creative teeth into, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that can be your big role once everything's all over. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> 
So I think um, everyone's wondering, what was it like to take on the role of Elsa? Because obviously, like I think as of, she's probably the most iconic Disney character to date now, apart from, you know, like Mickey and, you know, all those characters. So what was it like taking on that role? Oh, gosh. Again, it was sort of one of those things where I was thrown into the deep end because I had never done voiceover before. I had never dubbed before. Um, I had I had sung in an animation, but that's that's different. That's to me more like my regular job in a way. Um, And it was again, it was a baptism of fire. (laughs) I was thrown into the deep end in the biggest brand in the world probably you know Disney owns everything Um, and it was an extraordinary experience I have dreamt of being a part of the Disney family literally as long as I can remember I was obsessed with Cinderella as a young child Uh, I remember being terrified watching Snow White in the cinema and uh, have just loved I've, I've, I've grown up absorbed in Disney uh, and he used to be teased about my passion for Disney as a child and in university (laughs) because I loved it so much I even wrote um, uh, I wrote an essay in secondary school about the Walt Disney the Dark Prince of Hollywood I wrote uh, uh, you know my thesis at my university degree was about the movie Pocahontas so I'm not it's not a joke I really love Disney (laughs) Um, so yeah, taking on that that role and her, in addition to that, I think it was such a unique experience because Elsa is Norwegian. Um, mm. She's based on my culture. And as anyone who's seen Frozen 2, she is really half Norwegian, half Sami, yeah. uh, which is our native people. And I'm so glad that story, um, well, they call it, they call it Tundra people, don't they? But they're based on the Sami people. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it, we didn't know that, obviously, going into Frozen 1, that that storyline was going to come. But, but taking on a role that is based on my culture, based on my country, with visuals that I am used to, you know, in terms of my culture, um, was also such a wonderful thing. Uh, and I had to learn everything uh, because, I, as I said, I hadn't done it before. But but I love a challenge and I threw myself into it and I just fell in love with the character. She is so well written. She's so um, groundbreaking in terms of a Disney. She's a, I mean, now she's not even a queen. She's a spirit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she was so unique for Disney, really. And it built upon the, the legacy of Rapunzel and Moana came after, didn't she? Uh, but mm. Rapunzel and... I can't remember which other films came between, but, you know, it it came into this new um, path that Disney was taking, which I think is so wonderful and that they're still building on. So all I can say is it was, it's one of the greatest experiences of of my entire life. And I, even though I was just, you know, I was just the dub, you know, I'm not Edina Menzel, I'm not the original cast, but I still treated it as though I was, um and and just loved it I absolutely loved it and I fell in love with voiceover which I thought I would I had always wanted to do voiceover work and it it sort of felt kind of fated like this was destined to happen because uh I I just love it it's it's probably yeah it's absolutely one of my favorite parts of my work that's wonderful because you're also Elsa in what's essentially her native language so that's also something quite notable Yeah, exactly. And that was the thing. I really felt like this was kind of different to, you know, if I had dubbed in any other language in a way, because it is literally my culture. It is how Elsa would have spoken. Mm -hmm. And it was also the first time I'm from the north of Norway. So like if you compare it to the UK, it's kind of Scotland or certainly up north. You know, if you were to compare, I'm from way up north. I'm truly from above the Arctic Circle. So, you know, I grew up with Northern Lights and and all of that. So I feel a great affinity for for these characters being in the cold. Um, What was my point? Uh, (laughs) I had a point, I was going somewhere with this. Um, But yeah, I I, I did feel uh, very close to her because 
of the language. And yeah, that was my point. My dialect is Northern Norwegian. So I had to, again, switch to the uh, sort of equivalent of, of RP, if you will, mm. um, received pronunciation like in English. So that was also interesting to me because I wasn't being my own dialect as well. Wow, that's really amazing. And like, you kind of touched up on this, like how um, how much like you love Disney and like watching the Disney princess films and things. Did you like, because of course Elsa was new at the time, did you ever like look to, um, because of, you know, she probably did have like some set personality traits or anything, but did you like uh, look at any like past Disney princesses or female role models to uh, sort of prepare for the role? Mm, no, no, I didn't because, because really when you work in dubbing, you're, it's a it's a really complex job in many ways because you are both uh, trying to bring something of yourself into the part as as you kind of have to um, and you are watching the the animation you know this is very different when you do it originally you don't see the animation you are really working with the director on the script and improvisation and mm. uh, you know it's a very different process and it's a bit like being the original cast in Mamma Mia would have been very different to anyone taking over because you know it would have already been set in a way and dubbing is kind of similar so I went in there really focusing on trying to grasp you know Edina Menzel's interpretation and <laughs> converting it into my own language with my own interpretation whilst keeping the what was going on in the animation true so you are you are really juggling a lot of different things at the same time whilst technically having to match the mouth um the rhythm it's it's a you know, I would say it takes a great skill, actually, because it is quite complicated. Mm -hmm. And you're having to do all of that whilst sounding very much alive, you know, that it doesn't sound um, technical, because it has to be alive, it has to live uh, and breathe. And, and that was that was super fun. Uh, uh, and my my head would literally be hurting at the end of concentration. I was so focused, we would record from between two to four hours at the most um, with just a little break, you know, in between. And it's very intense, very, very intense, uh, but nicely so. Like, I, I loved it. I could have just, yeah, I absolutely loved it. But it was like my thoughts were hurting. My brain was hurting from the exertion because, uh, yeah, it was, it was thrilling. But, yeah, you really base it on the original cast member um, and the animation, and then you bring your own color to it is the short version of what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> for artists, we're supposed to suffer for our art, I suppose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, in your mind, uh, what sort of, um, what do you think happened to Elsa at the end of Frozen 2? What's your interpretation? What do you mean in terms uh, so of like what? After, like, do you think she's now immortalized? Oh, what do I think is going to happen now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know, I really have no idea. I really hope that we get Frozen 3, by the way. I, I am curious to find out what is going on now in the Arendelle kingdom and in the uh, the forest. Um, I, I really don't know. I would be very, um, yeah, very interested to see if they are now going to, because if there is a Frozen 3, it would be interesting to know if they're going to follow Elsa further or focus more on the other characters. Yeah. Um, you know, like Anna has her own arc and she's such a beautiful character. And in fact, when I auditioned, I, I originally auditioned for Anna, not oh. for Elsa. And I begged them to see me for Elsa and they wouldn't. And they only saw me for Elsa eventually because the the, the ones that had been submitted weren't accepted. Um, and that was the only reason I got to come in and audition. Oh, wow. That was uh, so it's really interesting. So I was... Yeah, and the one who plays Anna is fantastic. She's a good friend of mine, my Christine Crispin, uh, and she's brilliant. So she's my 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 sister in in Frozen. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Is she? You know. Uh, you know that you when you create a story, there has to be an arc. So it depends on what is it that we want to find out now. Um, 
so like, many questions because it's because so, obviously like watching frozen one it kind of feels like everything like wrapped up by the very end but mm-hmm. then i think i think why I, I personally kind of like frozen two to be completely honest a bit more because it does build on the sort of character the history the mythology much more. i agree yeah i loved frozen two i really didn't un- did not understand the uh reviews i was like did we watch the same film what is going on <laughs> i think it's because it was a bit too different i think it was a it sort of broke the mold a little bit. It was more sort of actiony, a bit more mytho- mythological, I suppose. I'm not sure, but I think that if they do more of that, if they do like maybe reveal truly what happened to Anna and Elsa's parents, I think that would yeah. be quite an interesting story to take on. Same. I would love to see that. I absolutely loved the mythology. To me, what my Norwegian director is phenomenal. By the way, she's called um, Elsa uh, Gunnhilorset. Uh, no, El- oh my God, I am terrible <laughs> at names. <laughs> Now it's fallen out of my head. Elsa, my wonderful director, Elsa. Uh, so funny, she's called Elsa and not Elsa. It was made. But um, it's so funny. But she had a great uh, thought about Frozen 2. And she said, you know, the reason people don't get this is because you've taken essentially a Marvel film. And instead of Marvel characters, you have princesses running around. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why people can't get their head around it. They have not seen two women princesses kind of young girls young ladies being superheroes because that's what it is it's a superhero journey actually uh and I thought that was such a good way of looking at it and I thought that is it they just cannot get their head around that they are running around in dresses saving the world like superheroes <laughs> I also um, wearing heels as well so that's also quite an amazing thing. exactly she's in heels running around <laughs> saving <laughs> the world um and i i just loved it and i would also love to learn more about the law learn more about elsa's powers and i'm so curious as to why anna doesn't have any powers yeah, why that, is this that was a thing that was why so doesn't she have powers will she get powers like has she just not realized yeah, like you that. know i why do they get like, I find... one magical child and the other one doesn't <laughs> yeah that poor that dud child who didn't get magical powers <laughs> you know it's why how did this happen you know I, I i'm really curious about that i agree with you i would love them to go back um but that would mean I wouldn't be in it, would I, if they went back to the origins. So no, let's look forward. I, I really want to do a Frozen 3. Oh, brilliant. Well, <laughs> hopefully that should be the next thing on Disney's agenda. <laughs> I hope so. So um, you're actually on stage with Idina Menzel and all the other Elsa voices at the Oscars. So what was that like? Wow. Um, it, it was an unforgettable, just extraordinary experience to to be there i i have dreamt about uh, like being a disney princess i've also dreamt about one day walking the red carpet and being on that oscar stage i thought it would be you know in a different way <laughs> i you know in terms of you never know how how things you you work towards are going to happen um and that's the wonderful thing about life isn't it how things sometimes come together just differently to what you were trying to manifest I guess and um, it was such a wonderful time I loved getting to meet all the other Elsas from all around the world and of course meeting Edina Menzel was was great but you know we mostly spent time with her on stage so we didn't really you know chit chat or anything like that but she was lovely and it, it must have been hard in a way giving away your song um, you know giving away parts of your song to all these other people um but meeting all the other Elsas from around the world who by the way they are literally superstars in their own countries um some of them are more famous than Beyonce you know they are they are just so um such incredible artists and so respected in their own countries and I think this is what people don't really realize is that uh you know, all of us who are there, um, it's because when we live in, you know, we live in the UK and in America, you know, everyone speaks English and it's easy to forget that people have their own microcultures in their own countries. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we are all part of it together, but ultimately every country has its own eccentricities and its own, its own thing, its own music, its own, 
its own thing going on. And meeting everyone and just seeing how everyone worked together, there was zero ego in that space. You know, everyone just was keen to do their best. We all loved Disney. We all were grateful to be there. We were all just, you know, we just couldn't believe this was happening. It was all, it was seriously like, like you were dreaming. It was like, it wasn't real. Um, and we had to keep, you know, pinching ourselves. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, oh God, it's, it's hard to put this into a soundbite because the whole thing, you know, we were flown first class. We were put into our own suites at the Regent Beverly Wilshire Hotel. For anyone who's seen Pretty Woman, you will know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's that hotel. Uh, and, you know, we had our own porters, we had our own drivers, we, you know, I could, I could, you know, everything was paid for. Um, we were living in, in luxury, we were treated like royalty. And the biggest thing, to be honest, was, wasn't all of that, because all of that was lovely. But the biggest thing was working together for this show that we have all watched and grown up with our entire lives being in awe of all of these extraordinary people at the top of their game and we were there and we were part of it and we were included and we got to work with um bobby lopez who wrote the music um and the lyrics uh, his wife Kristen couldn't be there but the two of them wrote it and we got to work with him we got to work with um you know all the top people in disney um and just feeling like you deserve to be there was 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 really humbling um and it's something i'll never forget uh, uh, and and singing on stage and aurora was there you know the huge norwegian artist yeah. um she's so massive and and she's just this she's exactly like how she seems she is like a little fairy and she is delightful and and super sweet and, and just doing all of this together with the dean and with the orchestra. Yeah, I, I can't even, I could talk about this forever because it was so fun. And walking the red carpet with everyone, we were all in, you know, designer gowns on stage. I had two phenomenal Norwegian designers, uh, TSH, uh, designed my stage dress, stage dress and, um, and Ingun Bitkelan, um, Ebo, she's called, she designed my, um, red carpet dress and just all of this was just it was it, yeah it was like pinch me is this happening I'm actually walking the red carpet you know seeing all of these incredible directors actors walk past me and being interviewed it was just surreal really surreal Amazing. but wonderful Amazing. wonderful you had your own Cinderella story there yeah it honestly was like Cinderella at the ball and when midnight was over it was like I dreamt it it and and then of course all of this happened and it really felt like I dreamt it because I haven't you know I haven't been to Norway since I haven't been gone anywhere wow wow that's amazing so um we talk quite a lot about nostalgia and um, like favorite memories on here sometimes do you have like a particular favorite childhood memory oh god uh I have a lot of memories. How long have you got? <laughs> uh, oh, I have a lot of childhood memories. You know, overall, to be honest, with my childhood, uh, I had a very, you know, it's not that that I didn't have hardships and everything because everyone does. You know, life is, is um, it's all of it, isn't it? It's a tapestry of things, uh, you know, going on in life. But my overall feeling is, pretty nostalgic to be honest it's pretty rose-colored glasses I was very blessed and had um very loving parents uh and uh, we had my my mom comes from a large American family my dad had a smaller Norwegian family but I, I grew up with my big sister I also have a, a a lovely half sister who lives in America too so both my sisters live in America um but I had a wonderful childhood really really wonderful I just remember feeling very free um and yeah free free to just be a little human being 
Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, you know, with the times that we're living in, I feel very sad that a lot of children don't have that now. Yeah. Um, uh, that pains me greatly, actually. Um, and I miss hearing children's laughter from the school across where I live. Um, yeah, that is another story. But one of my favorite childhood memories, let me think. Mm. Well, to be honest, <laughs> one of my earliest memories is actually being in Disneyland. Wow. Um, it really impacted my life. I, I, um, I've always grown up with fairy tales uh, and being obsessed with fairy tales. Uh, and it's, it's one of the things I used to, it was one of the first things I would learn to read. Um, you know, and I loved being read to, I loved storytelling and going to Disneyland. I think I was only four years old and I still had my dummy. And I re- I remember that because it fell out of the window of the Disneyland hotel and we had to go look for it. Uh, but I met Mickey Mouse Aww. and I have this picture of me meeting Mickey Mouse and I, I wouldn't let go of his hand. They actually had to pull me away. <laughs> because I wanted to meet him so badly and one of my biggest memories of that being in Disneyland was was that I had this obsession with Cinderella and so there were two things that happened we were in this room I have this weird memory of being in this room where there were all these telephones you know in the old days you had the telephone with the cord you know Mm -hmm. with the handle anyone listening here who are a lot younger who don't know that uh, we had these weird things called telephones that <laughs> were very different. And you could pick up the receiver and it would be the voice of one of your Disney characters. Like it would have a picture of them on the phone, like Cinderella, Mickey Mouse, um, you know, Peter and the Dragon, whatever. Um, and I went to pick up the receiver of Cinderella. And first of all, you know, I'm a Norwegian child. So even though I understood some English, seeing my mother's American, I was still Norwegian. And I picked up this receiver and it was Cinderella, Cinderella's voice. And I recognized her voice, but I didn't understand what she was saying. And I kept saying something in Norwegian and she wasn't replying. And I remember feeling really upset. (laughs) I was like, why is she not answering me? (laughs) But of course it wasn't, you know, a real person. It was a recorded message that went on a loop. Um, And and that was so confusing (laughs) because I was really small. And then the other thing that happened in Disneyland was that the parade happened. And in the old days, you know, now it's full of security. You know, you can't get near the performers in the parade. They are very protected as they kind of have to be, I suppose, these days. Yeah. But back in those days, it was a lot more lax. Like they might have had a rope or something, but it was really, really laid back. Mm-hmm. And um, but of course, being me, I saw Cinderella and ran into the parade and again was trying to get her hand. The poor actress looked completely distressed and, <laughs> and people were trying to like keep a, keep a professional face on, but people were like, who is this child? You know, and my poor parents had to go and again, get me out of the parade. They were mortified, oh, but yeah, I do remember that. And again, I couldn't understand why I couldn't just walk with Cinderella. So, yeah, you can see how I ended up in this place (laughs) playing Elsa. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was almost thought you were going to say about the um, Disney characters on the phone. I literally thought there was like someone sitting in an office somewhere just answering the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Like a call center. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's kind of funny, but yeah, it was, it was a recorded message. And that was why I was so confused that she wasn't on. I had so many questions what happened like are you living with the prince do you have children like you know I had so many questions for Cinderella (laughs) because I thought we were gonna have a chat yeah very so funny it's funny I've never actually been to Disney World before like I'm in my my 20s and I've never been to Disney World like I remember like do you remember what like when Disney used to have those like VHS tapes and they used to be like stylized like blue boxes like with the yes logo I used to love those and yes I think I also had some older ones like before that sort of era because I think they came out of the Disney sequel era those boxes yeah and I remember seeing the ads for Disney World and I was like I'm gonna go someday though someday it's Um, amazing it's amazing I've been to Disneyland Paris I've been to Disneyland uh Disneyland in California multiple times Disney World I've only been to once um 
but you know there's several now there's the Tokyo one and there's also one in is it Beijing or is it there's one in China isn't there um but you know they are in multiple locations now are they just like planning to open one in the UK I feel like I've heard that somewhere no are they I don't know are they I feel like I've heard something like that. It's, some, it's either <gasps> or somewhere else. I can't remember. Like I, I feel like I've heard that. Oh my god! Can you imagine? That we'll be, be there cool. every week. See, we'll get like a a weekend pass. Let's I'll just go home. and move in, live Let's in Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> we will man. We will man the answer phones. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> no ropes can keep us out. <laughs> exactly. But um, so this is actually kind of relating back to older questions. But like um, I've been meaning to ask. Were you also in the uh, Norwegian dub of Wreck-It Ralph too? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, because I've, I've played Elsa now for all the Elsa. So wherever Elsa is, I am. So I am in the games. I'm in the toys. I'm in the films, the short films that we did the Lego short film. We've done two Frozen short films and Wreck-It Ralph too. Yeah, oh, wow. which is hilarious. That scene is actually the best scene in the whole film. It- it is i think it's like the most like viewed like trailer as well on the on youtube for the film yeah I it is that. so funny i i actually were, was interested before i knew they were going to do this scene i was actually interested in thinking like how will these older princesses look on modern Disney <laughs> graphics and i like that they did that yeah it's very cute and i hope they do it a few years down the line as well when i got the new ones coming out i know and actually i think they should just make a movie like that where they all live together inside a video game how hilarious would that be that would be brilliant and like it would be so adding, funny they can keep adding to the roster with like each yeah it could be like big brother it could be like big brother <laughs> can you imagine oh, oh it's so funny like instead of the eye it's just the disney princess logo like the castle yeah i think that's an excellent idea oh let's get to disney quickly who do we, we should pitch it pitch it where's my pen <laughs> <laughs> but um so are there any like um is there any like franchises as well that you'd love to be a part of anything oh my gosh you kidding there's so many i mean come on there is we're, we're not we're not um scrambling for content these days are we i mean there are so many wonderful things going on um oh my gosh that's that's almost too hard to answer there's there's just yeah. Yeah, there are so many good franchises. And, I'm, I, and I also, you know, I love when new things come in, uh, when original content comes, you know, when someone has an idea that's completely new and different and, um, and creates something out of the blue. You know, how James Bond is kind of, to me, is kind of over. Um, and, you know, you have other franchises that took over, like um, the John Wick series or the uh, yeah. Matthew Bourne. No, not Matthew Bourne. I see he's the choreographer. The uh, born identity. identity series, you know, you've got all of those things and the, the Mission Impossible who are kind of, they're all kind of modern versions of James Bond. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, there's a lot of things happening, but I, I love, like I said, I love fairy tales. And to be honest, Marvel, the, you know, the animation, the sort of um, Marvel and DC universe they are fairy tales that's what they are they are folklore they are rags to riches kind of rags to riches yeah but they are they are based on our most you know basic humanity of storytelling uh we as children people used to tell fairy tales to teach lessons to teach uh morals to teach ethics to teach right and wrong to teach how to look out for danger um, how to trust your instincts, you know, the, the hero is always uh, a, an underdog. They are always underestimated. Um, heroes are found in the most unlikely of places and the smallest characters that you can possibly imagine sometimes. So I, I just love all of that. You know, I love Star Wars, Marvel, uh, all that stuff. Um, it's very exciting to me. I love anything like that. I would love to be a superhero. Uh, and, and one of my favorite animations of all time is one of my, you know, absolute favorite films ever. 
of any film is The Incredibles, the original The Incredibles. Oh. That film is total perfection. And every time I watch it, I cry oh. <laughs> it, without fail. Um, I don't know. But just I don't... how the... Sorry, I don't really cry. I didn't really cry at that one, to be completely honest. I don't know what it was. Oh, my God. It could be because I'm a mum and I have kids. And when, when they go to shoot down that plane, she goes, abort, abort their children, oh, abort yeah, this that, plane. Oh, my God. Funny, I, it destroys yeah. me. It destroys me. I just involuntarily cry every time. My whole family now turn to look at me because they know it's coming <laughs> every time. Like, um, what did you think of Soul, the new, the new one? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't oh, seen it yet. I am going God, to, but I've read wonderful things about it, and I can't wait to see it. I'm uh, it's just been. It. Pardon. I'm evangelical about it. I just absolutely. Oh, good. Oh my God. Well, I, I'm definitely watching it. I have Disney plus. I'm so glad I did that. What are you doing? Uh, Go now. Just do it. <laughs> I know. Why, why, why am I sitting here talking to you? <laughs> I'll go. Hello? I know. Just, I'm done. I'm done. Um, no, but I, I absolutely want to see that. And I, you know, there are so many beautiful things coming out of Disney and Pixar at the moment. I, I am really in awe of them and having visited the studio as well. And I, I have, a couple of animators and special effects animators now are my actual friends, um, which which I just yeah I, I to me they are just um, I'm in awe of what they do, um, and it was really funny actually when I visited uh, when I was in LA because like I said I've got some friends there and they they uh, they are so kind and they give give me some time and they they take me into the studio. Uh, and and they give me the tour and then they showed me they have a secret pub like a secret pub in the basement of the animation studio and it is like being in Star Wars it is so fun oh my goodness I thought you they have their that. own beers and stuff it was oh my god it was that that was like the coolest thing I've ever seen they have a secret pub down there oh my god that's um, it's like the vaults kind of literally in the basement it is so fun I, so I, yeah I can't wait to go back there and have a drink with my friends again, in the basement of Disney Animation Studios. And I actually also got to have a, a exclusive tour, me and, and Spanish Elsa, uh, Gisela, we got to um, uh, have a, a special tour uh, arranged for us by Rick Dempsey, who's head of International Voices, and he's a CEO at Disney. And I mean, like, pinch me, is mm -hmm. this real? We got to see Walt Disney's own office. Wow. And I could just cry. It was like deity to me I I you know I know that Walt Disney was a controversial figure and yeah you know I I, I you know I I know he probably wasn't the sweetest man and he he you know some of his things were um were not nice yeah very questionable but no one can deny his gift what he brought to the world and what we now see you know the legacy of it yeah. um and it's brought me so much joy and it actually gave me a lot of hope when things were hard. So like when I was bullied at school, uh, I, I used to use Cinderella to to think about like how brave she was and how she would get through things and how, you know, she never complained and all of these things. And, and those things helped me. So, you know, this whole notion that princesses are so terrible for girls, I don't necessarily agree with it. You know, the whole prince trope. Yeah, I agree with that. But there are a lot of very good lessons as well in these films. And just like going back to my first point, fairy tales are very important yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and all of this. So yeah, I have been given a lot by, you know, learning through Disney. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually funny that you bring that up because this is quite a contentious thing that I do talk to some people about. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's not, not every princess is bad. Like, I think, I mean, I think Snow White probably could have done with a better message. But um, yeah, I think Cinderella actually at the time was quite, had quite a good, was quite good at the time. Like she, mm. like her, initially her goals wasn't to find a man like Snow White's was. Exactly. Uh, she, she just keeps doing what she does because she knows that's the only way she's going to get by. And she's not afraid to stand up to people. And it's like really her own actions that ended up, it's really her own, the outcome of her own actions that saved her in the end. Yeah, exactly. And she had to endure really awful things. Mm. And she was, you know, she could recognize that they were not treating her well and that that wasn't her fault. 
uh, and and that she you know that didn't have a uh, how shall I put it she never saw herself as a as a victim but she instead put into action things that were going to move her out of this definitely uh, carry on sort of character yeah I, I thought yeah I I love Cinderella she's still to this day one of my absolute favorite princesses but obviously it's because it was just of my time I guess she was the big big one back then for me yeah absolutely and kind of also relating to um Aurora as well I mean Sleeping Beauty yeah I, I didn't mm. I watched I rewatched Sleeping Beauty about two years ago I think for the first mm. time in ages and I couldn't believe how small a role Aurora was like I couldn't she's tiny it. she's insignificant it is like not she, about her I that film she's only got 18 lines of dialogue in the whole yeah film. yeah yeah it's a tiny like that is like complete opposite of Cinderella isn't it yeah, absolutely. And I was like scratching my head the whole for months until I realized that the most important characters were actually the fairies. I know. They're the lead characters. So in a way, uh, and funny. they are hilarious. They are yeah. brilliant. They are so funny. Like the, so the, funny. The characters of humor and heart. And I appreciate it. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I love the fact that they are three sisters who do not agree, but they still get along and they do it all because they love this this girl. And yeah. they're trying to protect her, uh, and you know it's they are very funny. I love I love the Mary Weather was of course my favorite. <laughs> She's so funny, <laughs> but I also love the new Maleficent films. I love that. Yeah, Angelina Jolie. I think she's stunning, like in that film. Oh my god, she's like, amazing. She, even though it's not conventional, like look, like you wouldn't really see a lot of people looking like that. I think she's stunning in that film. Oh, I do too. I but I she's just stunning in general, though. Let's face it. Come on, I mean. <laughs> she's so she's so striking that woman yeah I didn't realize how big her cheekbones were yeah but I love I love her humanitarian work I think you know she does so many good things and I don't don't know why she gets a lot of flack because she's not conventional and I love that she's not conventional yeah she just does her own thing yeah I love that I like individuality I'm I'm a big fan of eccentric people about people just following their own path you know uh, I didn't get here because I did like everybody else I mean everyone in my hometown told literally laughed me out of town thought I was ridiculous for having these dreams not everyone obviously I had support as well but there were a lot of people who were who were you know who would ridicule or uh, or tut-tut at my ambition um, and I think it's so important to really follow your own gut instinct and don't listen to the doubters and the haters and the the sheep and the you know you you take your own path and you carve out your own path and you you keep going you persevere and you know and you you make your own choices um based on your own experience yeah and i think that's really important absolutely absolutely it is now it's quite funny because the first time i actually saw you in something was in that one episode of doctor who (laughs) <laughs> that's how I found out about you <laughs> oh, that's so funny <laughs> were you quite much of a Doctor Who fan before you took on that role well I've not really I, I've not really grown up with Doctor Who I don't know if it wasn't very big in Norway or if I missed that it was big in Norway mm. but I you know that I only discovered Doctor Who when I moved to the UK um, and I used to I, I liked Doctor Who when you know when I was a student and everything and would watch it occasionally um but I, you know, for, for me, um, it, my family are not into Doctor Who. I could never get them to watch with me. And even when I got the role, I was like, right, I need to watch Doctor Who. And none of them would watch with me. Oh. <laughs> so, but, but you know, I would do it myself. And I, I did really enjoy it. I, I find it such a quirky show. Uh, and I love that. But, but I was it's like all of the things I do are firsts you know Mamma Mia was the first the Frozen thing was the first Doctor Who was the first because uh she was the first ever female Doctor Who they had never done this before it was another kind of groundbreaking which is ridiculous when you think about it but you know how did they not have a lady until now but it was a groundbreaking event um uh and so we were part of the first ever reading with Jodie um, and the and the cast, which 
I can't even explain being in that room with all the creators, um, with the cast. Uh, it was, we were, we were reading season episode. We were supposed to be episode seven and it was episode one being read at the same time because they were shooting at this, uh, you know, back to back basically. Mm. Uh, or I can't remember why that was actually, I don't remember why they, they had the reading with us and, and episode one at the same time, but they did. So we were reading through these two episodes with the two casts, with all the creatives all together for this historical moment of the first time Jodie was going to be the doctor. I mean, I can't even tell you the feeling in that room was like electric. It was absolutely electric. Um, and working with, with her, working with Mandip and everyone, Oh, they were just wonderful. <laughs> they were all wonderful. Loved them. Yeah, they are. I think I think they're doing quite. A, I think they're doing quite a decent job, to be completely honest. Like, I think they're doing well. Like they're shaping up the dynamics and everything of what it has been since two thousand and five. Yeah, I think I think why not just take a risk? Like that's kind of what it's about. It's about change. It's about you have to evolve, you know. Yeah. And you have if you don't allow creatives to test things out and to try new things, we will never go forward. You know, we will just mm. rehash and rehash. It goes back to my point about originality. Um, I love it when people dare greatly. You know, when you when you take a stand and you're like, okay, I have to do this differently. Um, I think it's exciting. It's, it's, um, but a lot of people just hate change yeah. uh, and, and hate, um, you know, are fearful of the unknown. And it goes back to Frozen, doesn't it? Into the unknown and yeah. all of these parallels with all of these different things. It, it really is about not fearing the future, not fearing um, taking a different path no. uh, and, 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 being brave um and that's what they did you know uh, and I think it's a really fun show uh, you know our episode was quite different as you you will have recognized if yeah. you're into Doctor Who uh, I think our episode was quite Melancholy. unique yeah. yeah it was quite iconic actually and I mean that frog what do you think of the frog because the frog I've never in my life been in something where something caused so much debate yeah. <laughs> which I thought was so funny if you haven't watched the episode go and watch uh, I think it is a season 11 is yeah. it yeah. season 11 episode 9 of Doctor Who the episode is called it takes you away so go check it out there's a very fun scene at the end like I don't get scared easily but the the opening part of that episode really kind of unnerved me like it was quite quite creepy yeah and it just came up with this like kooky like universal alien and I like that I, sort of, <laughs> I mean I sort of like reined in like the like sort of Moffat era era Doctor Who where it was a bit more fantasy more more quite interesting ideas so yeah. I like that they like sort of incorporated a bit of that in there yeah it was really quite a bonkers episode it had so many elements and in a way I wish that that episode had been a two-hour special because when when I read the script the the story is much richer than what they had time to do mm -hmm. uh you know that that sci-fi universe when they're in the they're when they're in the um the thingy zone god me and words uh what was it called they were like in this halfway space in space yeah. um and uh i can't I know what it's called i don't remember now what it was called i'm so sorry anti-zone was it anti-zone there you go see you remember <laughs> I was in it and I don't remember um but th that was much richer and they had this amazing guy who was like I think the tallest man in the world or something played the moth um this moth character who who I mean when you read the script it was much darker than what you see in the show much darker it was really freaking scary and creepy um and my character as well was just, um, yeah, really, you know, it's a strange character playing the universe, playing a dead woman uh, who doesn't seem to realize that she's the universe. And I mean, the whole thing was just from an acting point of view, really interesting uh, to, to, to work on. And then the, the frog uh, then has Sharon, Sharon Clark's voice instead of my voice. Yeah. You know, when it becomes the frog. Uh, she's amazing by the way oh I just love her um 
Yeah, it was it was so wonderful, and I love those people. We had a blast, and and of course Ellie Woolwork, who played my blind daughter, mm. being again the first real genuine blind person at the BBC. What? Like the BBC as a whole, not just Doctor Who. No, as a whole, they had wow. never had a blind actress play a blind person. I mean, That's crazy. we're in twenty twenty. I mean, this was in what twenty nineteen, but. Yeah, that that is crazy to me uh, when you have amazing disabled actors that somehow us who are able-bodied should play disabled actors, uh, I I find incredulous, you know, Um, give them their space. And and Ellie is a phenomenal actress and she's done loads of wonderful work since. And and yeah, I loved playing her mom. She's a gorgeous girl and so talented. Yeah, she's so talented. She spoke better English Norwegian than than me and my colleague did. <laughs> oh, she had worked really hard. Oh, yeah, she was just brilliant. Oh, we all just adored her. Bless her. So, are there um, any projects at the moment that you're working on that you can tell us about? Or... Well, I'm actually I'm working. Um, I've just. Uh, uh, funnily enough, I really tried to focus on voiceover this year. Um, <laughs> funny that. Uh, and um, and I'm in the middle of creating my website as well. And I've just made a, a gaming demo. Um, and I'm just super excited. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on, I, I for some reason have not been seeking a voiceover agent until now. I find it, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, you got the, you got the, got the, this season. why not <laughs> why not you know so so that is really my my goal this year is to um to grow my home studio to uh to upskill and to um to to have a voiceover agent and to to get to work i i love uh i love voiceover and i find it super exciting so i'm building my website as well i'm doing all of these different things behind the scenes that you know no one can see at the moment but I have a job lined up in, I mean, the, let's face it, the pandemic has thrown a spanner in the works with yeah. a lot of things. I lost a lot of work. I had jobs lined up last year after the Oscars, you can imagine. Yeah. Um, it was like, I felt like everything had opened up for me, like the doors were wide open and all of these things were going to happen. And then the pandemic happened and everything got cancelled or put on hold. Yeah. Um, and and it was devastating. I have found this time very challenging, as I'm sure a lot of people, but I'm lucky in that I, you know, my husband has a has a steady job that he could do online. It was not a problem. He he is super happy because he's working from home. He loves it. Um, but he could honestly live as in, you know, complete uh, in isolation in the woods. He would be very happy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's fine. But uh, for me, it's been really challenging. I'm a people's person. I'm very kinesthetic. I love hugs. I love being around human beings. I thrive on genuine human interaction and, and it has been painful, but I'm not lacking the basic needs. All of those are covered. You know, we're not, we're financially secure. My kids are, you know, we have a home, we're fine. We're in a beautiful part of London. I want for nothing of necessities. Um, but I have struggled all the same, um, just with the isolation, the mental aspect of it has been really hard. Yeah. But I, you know, like so many people, we, we, we <laughs> put one foot in front of the other, keep swimming. Uh, and I, you know, keep positive. I know this is not going to last forever, but I do have a job lined up in the summer, which I'm super excited about. I hope it happens. It's a Viking play, um, like a a musical play really, but a really exciting role, you know, a historic role. And I've always wanted to, to work on a Viking project. I, I love Norwegian history. It is so rich in, in, um, in, you know, exciting things. Um, and uh, this is on an island uh, close to where my father was from. So that also, you know, means a lot to me to be kind of in that environment um, and to be on this island where where history happened. Yeah. Uh, there's something about things kind of, I, I, I'm, I really believe it, that people might think I'm really woo-woo here, but I really believe in energy sticking around, you know, and whatever has happened is still there in the, 
in the earth, like in the in the ground, uh, like trees remember, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, and I just yeah, I really hope we were supposed to do it last summer and I was gutted when it, they had to cancel. You know, we all had to cancel. Mm. So I hope I hope I hope I get to go there and do that. Uh, I think it's so exciting is outdoor theater you know with people human beings yes uh so yeah i would love to do that so these are my plans so i'm definitely you know going for it with my voiceover and just looking forward because i don't think any of us can have genuine plans that are 100 percent. you know we we because when we're unfortunately not in control of the situation you know we are very much um following government guidelines and all of these different things and and so I can make all the plans in the world but they might change so I'm just keeping an open mind and and yeah doing what I can in my own little world and then whatever else happens I'm just gonna have to roll with it yeah absolutely and I hope you get all that sorted out by summer I hope you get to do the play I hope you get more good you get good luck with your voiceovers and things me too that would be fun that'd be fun (laughs) yeah absolutely 2021 finally we're all gonna do it (laughs) yes um so where can our dear listeners find you on social media right so I am on uh Instagram is probably my favorite social media it's probably the one that I find genuinely gives me joy to be on um Facebook you know I'm on Facebook I'm on Instagram I am on Twitter but I've kind of actually I've now deleted the app it's not I don't think it's good for me (laughs) I don't think it's healthy it's just mostly political yeah distressing it's distressing uh and and so uh, and it's just the more I know the more I get distressed I feel so I yeah I just actually just deleted it yesterday and I thought right I'm gonna put it away it's it's not good um so I'm on LinkedIn you can find me on LinkedIn so on Instagram I'm called Lisa Stocker Love because that's going to be my website it's going to be lisastocker.love um and um on Facebook I'm Lisa Stocker Jolly there is a Lisa Stocker page but I actually don't go on there I don't use it um and I'm on LinkedIn as Lisa Stocker as well and and probably on other things too that I'm not very oh yeah YouTube YouTube there's loads I have loads if you love watching you know performances and and recordings of my singing and, and everything you can go on there yeah there was one thing we didn't talk about which I which was actually one of the biggest things I've ever experienced apart from the Oscars and that was meeting Nelson Mandela wow um as well when I did his 46664 concert in my hometown of Tromsø um, and I got to sing with um, Annie Lennox, Brian May, um, Angelique Kijo from South Africa. My co-host was, was DJ Sugar from South Africa. Um, and yeah, this extraordinary concert to raise awareness of HIV AIDS. And I had the enormous honor, the greatest honor of my life was to meet Nelson Mandela. And I that moment I will never forget as long as I live um I'm very sad he's not here anymore he was an extraordinary human being and um he taught us a lot of lessons of how to come through adversity uh better than we were before absolutely absolutely and before we do sign off today I just want to ask is there a positive message that you'd like to share before we sign off yeah, it just keeps swimming, guys. <laughs> I, I, you know, like I said, I have found this time very difficult, uh, very, very difficult. Uh, I have felt very down, very depressed. Um, I haven't had depression since I lost my father. Um, and, uh, and it's been hard. And if you're in a situation where you are finding life heavy and, and difficult, um, I'm taking my own advice uh, and I'm and I'm trying to look you know towards people who are hopeful Uh, so that's my printer that is for some reason waking up Um, I look towards people who share a hopeful message and I am myself having to switch off the things that don't serve me Um, so I would just say just keep swimming find find the 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 people who bring you light not darkness look look for the people who are the helpers uh, and just know that there's there's always a better day 
coming. There's always a better tomorrow. So we just got to work for it ourselves and, and make it happen for ourselves and, and be kind to ourselves. I think it's very easy to, uh, one thing is to have goals and, and ambition, but we also got to have love for ourselves and, and practice self-care. I, you know, I was late for our talk because I was doing a bath because uh, I was trying to just rinse this week off of myself. Um, and and, and to, to really look after ourselves is really important. We can't control everything that's going on in the world. We can't control everything around us. You know, I think letting go of control is a very, very important skill. Um, and to just breathe, just breathe. We will get through this. Absolutely, we will. And that was the wonderful Lisa Stocker. Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Z. Thank you for inviting me and have, have a wonderful, try and have a wonderful 2021 you too, darling.